0: Welcome to AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get support and guidance through the chaos of parenting. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where we talk about all things parenting and mainly about anxiety and OCD. So today I want to talk about emetophobia, which is a fancy name for a fear of throw up. So a fear of throwing up or a fear of seeing someone throw up. It really can go both ways or it can go all ways. And it's actually one of the most common anxiety themes that I see in my practice and also that I hear on my private Facebook group, which obviously makes sense because if I am seeing a disproportionate amount of kids coming in with that type of phobia, obviously in a private Facebook group that is based on anxiety and OCD they would have a lot of talks about that so side note but if you are not in my private Facebook group you should be because it is awesome and it is growing and there's a, an amazing amount of parents in there who are very very knowledgeable because they've been dealing with anxiety and OCD in their kids and We all have great experiences based on our own children. And when you put your minds together and you collaborate together, then you get some great suggestions. So if you're not there already, go to AT Parenting Kids with Anxiety and OCD. If you go to my website at anxioustoddlers.com and you go on the bottom, I have a button that you can click if you just want to do it that way. Or if you're on iTunes, you can just go ahead and look in the show notes of this episode, And I always leave a link to the private Facebook group because it is such a great additional support from this podcast and lots of listeners are in that private Facebook group. So anyway, back to my topic, I wanted to discuss this in particular, and I know I've done other kind of renditions of this theme. We've talked about school refusal. We've talked about how anxiety can make you feel sick, but I really wanted to go into detail about metaphobia and how it's treated and how you can help your kids because it's really very counterintuitive. So let's get into what it is. And then in the second half of this podcast, I'll talk about how to help your kids. So for starters, I totally had this as a kid. <laughs> it's like, wow, earth shocking. Natasha actually had this as well. And I bet one of our kids does too. Yeah, kind of well, anxiety hits the stomach. And so you might have a child that gets nauseous because they get anxious, but then it can turn into its own unique phobia. I always had stomach aches when I was feeling nauseous and I never had full blown emetophobia where I was like really concerned about throwing up, but I was definitely borderline and total confession <laughs> to just me, you and the cat. But like even now, when somebody comes into my practice and they're like, oh, you know, yeah, I was really sick yesterday. I was throwing up everywhere, but I'm feeling a lot better today. I didn't go to school, but I'm feeling better. I have to admit, I get a little panicky. <laughs> I'm like, you got to be kidding me. You know, you got your virus in here. And then they leave and I don't touch like the doorknob and I get Clorox wipes because I am so paranoid about getting the stomach virus which is really irrational. And it's a little case of emetophobia because, you know, well, I don't know if it, is that totally irrational. I mean, a little bit, not a hundred percent. I mean, nobody likes to get sick and we'll talk about that because things get a little gray, but I'm definitely more phobic than your average person when it comes to stomach issues, because I have a little touch of this. So I get the kids who have this problem. So when kids have a fear of Vomiting. And if you have a child that has this, you may not want them to be listening to this podcast because there might be some triggers in this. Because I'm going to be talking about the word vomit and throw up. And until we talk about how to approach it and how to help them, that might be a little triggering for people who actually have this. So I know I've already said the word like a zillion times and I didn't give you a warning, but come on, look at the topic of the podcast. So obviously, we're going to be talking about it. But just in case you're a parent and you don't realize that. This could be a little overwhelming for your child, turn it off and listen to it when you're by yourself. So the fear of throw up normally starts with either there's two things that I typically see in my practice, either the parents and the child can relate it to some situation, whether the child had a stomach virus or they saw somebody in school, throw up, or they themselves threw up. Sometimes there's a trigger. And a lot of times the parents will come into my practice and they will blame that incident. And they'll say, yeah, you know, ever since blah, blah, blah happened, she's had a fear of throwing up and they don't realize, no, like this is a thing. There's a name for it. It's an anxiety theme. And you don't have to have had that experience in order for you to have this phobia. Yeah, it doesn't help. But if you think about it, let's say you have a genetic predisposition to anxiety and so your, your anxiety is open to any and all themes that are going to come in its way. And then you throw up and your anxiety is like, that's a great one. That's a super popular one. I'll take that experience and I'll make that your anxiety theme. But if it wasn't that, it would be something else. So it's not because of the trauma. Millions of kids are throwing up all the time and they don't have emetophobia, metaphobia. So it's because your child has anxiety. Sometimes people get hung up on the experience part of it and they kind of miss the boat on that. Another way that a lot of times the fear of throwing up becomes an issue is a child has a different anxiety theme. And so often this is tied to separation anxiety. I see separation anxiety and fear of throwing up are like two pieces in a pod. They really like each other. So social anxiety also really likes emotophobia. (laughs) They're like buddies. So there are certain anxiety themes that I feel like tend to go hand in hand, but a lot of times kids who are going to get clinical separation anxiety, which is different than your two-year-old toddler separation anxiety. We talked about it in episode 17. I had to go ahead and pause what I'm doing and go look it up, but If your child has separation anxiety and a fear to throw up, go and listen to episode 17 and then come back because they are, they are paired together a lot. And so if a child's anxious about a different theme, like they don't want to separate from you, they don't feel safe, they don't feel good. And then anxiety makes you feel nauseous and it makes you feel nauseous for lots of physiological reasons. And so you've got cortisol and different um, endorphins pumping in your body when your body is in fight or flight. And a lot of that impacts the stomach and digestion and like just the GI tract in general. And so a lot of times those, that reaction, that chemical reaction that's going on in your body will make you feel nauseous. And especially if you're pretty sensitive to that, like I'm very sensitive to my stomach. And unfortunately, a lot of anxious people are, they have very sensitive stomachs, just like they have sensitive emotions, sometimes sensitive skin, sometimes sensitive smell, we're just sensitive people. And the stomach is often a big component of that as well. So then you start to feel nauseous because you're having that fake emergency reaction in your body. And then you fixate on the nausea and are like, oh my gosh, now I'm going to throw up. And then that becomes an anxiety theme in and of itself. So that makes sense, right? Okay. So I want to talk about how it manifests and how it looks different in each kid because it does look different. You know, this, the fear is the same, you know, I'm afraid I'm going to throw up or I'm afraid I'm going to see someone throw up or I'm afraid I'm going to throw up or I'm going to see someone throw up, or I don't want anyone to talk about throw up, but it manifests differently in each kid and how it manifests could, could impact their life in different ways. For starters, with almost every kid I ever see metaphobia, the main issue becomes avoidance because. They don't want to go somewhere because they're afraid they might see throw up or they may throw up. It's much more common for kids to be afraid that they're going to throw up, but there is a small percentage of kids that are afraid they're going to see throw up. And I do have some kids in my practice that are only afraid of seeing throw up and they're not afraid of throwing up. Sometimes they feel a little nauseous, but their predominant issue is actually seeing somebody throw up, but they are not the norm. The norm is normally they are worrying about themselves getting sick. So this can go in lots of different directions. Kids can worry about getting sick. So there's like a fear of germs. There's a fear of people. There's a fear of certain places like hospitals or restaurants where somebody could be eating and choke or throw up. Then if they hear somebody cough, they get worried that maybe they're going to cough. And that means that they're about to throw up. So they get very very hypervigilant of their environment. And I'm going to go into how it affects kids differently. And so even if this doesn't sound like your child, it's good for you to know just how this can develop and grow because anxiety loves to morph. It loves to morph and change. And just when you finally figure it out and you're like, oh my gosh, I totally get your anxiety. There it goes. It like, it changes into something different. So you really can't notice it. It's so annoying, Right. So it's good for you to get the whole picture of what this can look like in your child, even though it it really does look different for different kids. So if your child is worrying about catching something, if they have an OCD component to this fear, then they do a lot of hand-washing. So they don't want to get germs on their hands because they're afraid that it might make them throw up. And if somebody in their class coughs or says they don't feel well for any reason, they become avoidant, avoidant of that area, avoidant of school in general. Uh, Restaurants are definitely a big one, like I said before, but hospitals or places that are crowded can be an issue. So avoidance is a big one. And then they worry about feeling nauseous and throwing up in front of other people. So you have some kids that really fixate just on the germ component. And then there are other kids who are very, very clued into their own bodies. And unfortunately, when you hyper-focus on any part of your body, you're going to feel something. And so when you're really checking and checking and double-checking to feel if you feel nauseous, eventually you're gonna feel nauseous. Also, because you're anxious about it, which produces those chemicals that kind of make you feel nauseous, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. So no joke, when a kid comes into my office... (laughs) you're going to be like, at the end of this podcast. You're gonna be like, I think Natasha needs some help. I do. I honestly do. So if somebody comes into my office and, and not even just my practice, but I'll just use that for, as an example for right now. And they say, um, that like sometimes they'll come in and I'll, I always say like, Hey, how are you doing? So what's been happening since last time I saw you, I have kind of like my rote little introduction that I I feel like I always say. And if the kid was like, Oh, you know, yesterday I was feeling so sick. I threw up like a 5 million times and my brother caught it and my dog caught it and my mom caught it, but you know, I feel okay now, but everybody else is throwing up. And then they go on to talk about something else in my head. I'm like, Oh my gosh, it's got probably a 24 hour like period that it's dormant because everybody else is sick now. And then by the end of that session, I will legitimately feel nauseous because I have got it in my head that I've caught something. And obviously it doesn't happen that fast. And I normally am complete. Well, I am completely fine. I've never had a situation where that has happened. And then I was sick, but that's how the phobia starts to begin. You know, that you really start to like manifest nausea in your body. So another way that it sometimes evolves is kids with separation anxiety will develop this incorrect perception that as long as they are with their mom, they will not be nauseous. And so the mom becomes this panacea to this phobia. And it's validated because it becomes true because we can control whether we are nauseous or not initially by how anxious we are. So if I'm with you all the time because you're my mom and you make me feel good, then I'm not gonna be anxious. And when I'm not anxious, then I'm not nauseous. And so I'm gonna make an incorrect causation that says when I'm with my mom, I'm fine. So as long as I'm with my mom, I won't throw up. And so I want to be with my mom 24 hours a day, seven days a week for the rest of my life. And kids will tell me that in my practice, they'll say, I just want to do online college. And I kind of want to just live with my mom and dad because they make me feel so good. And it's like, yeah, that's not really why you want to live with them. It's because you're being avoidant of your anxiety And that's not healthy. It's great to love your parents. It's great to love your mom, but not if your anxiety loves your mom. You don't want your anxiety to love your mom. You want you to love your mom. So there is a difference. So sometimes your child has separation anxiety, primarily because you're the solution to the emetophobia. As long as I'm with my mom, I don't feel nauseous. And so I want to not go to school. I don't want to sleep in my own bed. I don't want to go to my friend's house late at night because the longer I'm away from my mom, the higher, the likelihood that I will get sick. So that enmeshed connection that's based on anxiety is not healthy at all. We'll talk about that in the second half. So some other things that wind up happening when you have this fear of throwing up is you develop some incorrect beliefs. School makes me sick. Restaurants make me sick. And you develop what therapists call safety behaviors. So safety behaviors are behaviors that you do that you feel like help make you safe from your anxiety, but really they're perpetuating it. So I need water. Every kid that I have ever seen that has come into my office that has an anxiety around throwing up has a bottle of water with them. And I would bet if I was to check their person, (laughs) just talk like somebody in law enforcement, if I was to check their purse or their pocket, half of them probably would have mints as well. But the water bottle is a clear indication. Now I live in the desert. So a lot of kids come into my office with a water bottle, especially if they have a good conscientious parent, but every kid who has a phobia of throwing up has a water bottle with them. And that is because it's a safety behavior. So a safety behavior is something that you do to make yourself feel better, but really you are catering to the anxiety. And we'll get into that in the second half, because I know that sounds weird because you're like, well, if it makes them feel better, what's the problem with it? And we'll talk about that in a minute. But you, as the parent, can be the number one safety behavior for a lot of these kids. Lastly, kids with the OCD component of this will develop rules around the throw-up fear. And this is where the anxiety turns into OCD. So, And it becomes nonsensical, as OCD does. And so if your child can't wear certain clothing, or they might throw up, or They have to do a certain routine in the morning or they will throw up or they can't say certain words like throw up or vomit or puke. See, I told you I was going to say a lot of bad words. Then those become an OCD component. And I've seen kids with OCD make all sorts of bizarre rules. You know, they can't use certain numbers that they equate to throwing up or they can't look at something that's green that they equate to throwing up. You know, OCD will morph whatever. And so the rules might be different for each person. But the point is you can have just general anxiety around this and just have a phobic reaction to it, or you can have an OCD component. And the the only difference really is that you have compulsions that are related to the obsessive thought of I'm worried I might throw up. And those compulsions, um, make you feel better for a brief moment. And then you have to do more of them just like OCD does. So, and this isn't, we're not going to go into OCD, but if you are curious about how OCD works, I have tons of podcasts purely on OCD, um, podcast episode 25 talks about different common OCD themes. And actually, if you just scroll down my podcast episodes, you would see a bunch of them that have OCD in the title, and that would help you. If you go to my website on, at com, a site for all ages, <laughs> always have to say that. Um, I actually have buttons at the very top of my menu that you can pick a topic. And so you can hit just OCD and all the articles and YouTube videos and podcast episodes that I've done that have anything related to do with OCD will be conveniently located on that page. So you can do that too. If you're like, I really want to dive into the OCD part of this. I have plenty of material for that. So anyway, up next, I want to talk to you about the very counterintuitive way to treat emetophobia. Very, very different than probably what most of you would think, but maybe some of you kind of know where I'm going to go with this, but it's, it's a very counterintuitive parenting approach. So stay tuned. That's what's up next. You're listening to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast for more parenting support, check out Natasha's parenting e-courses on a variety of topics. Each parenting e-course includes a series of teaching videos that can be watched at your own pace. For more information, visit anxioustoddlers.com forward slash parenting hyphen videos. Welcome back. Okay. For starters, I want to talk about, and this isn't really the the crazy approach I want to talk about, but first I want to say you really want to get your kids to connect their mind and body, because I can't tell you how many kids come into my practice and they, they don't see where their stomach issues are related to their anxiety because they legitimately feel the pain. And I get this because I had this as a kid. And if you don't get it, go back to my podcast that is talking about just how anxiety can cause stomach issues and listen to episode 14 because I go into detail about that and how it, how it happens. And it's probably a little bit of an overlap of this, but this episode is going to go more into treatment options as well. So you want to connect the dots for your kids. That is incredibly helpful because if they don't accept that it's anxiety, then they are not going to fight it because they're going to think, you know, I have a stomach issue and that's actually going to make them panic more because they're going to be like, I'm having a stomach virus or I have a major like cancerous thing in my stomach that's causing all this pain and no one's taking me seriously. They're just saying, Hey, you need to calm down. Hey, you know, just relax a little bit. And that's going to be, um, insulting to them because they're going to think you don't get it. So letting kids know first and foremost, and I I do talk about this in the other episode to say, this is what happens, you know, your body, and you can do this by the way, at any age. I did this with my five-year-old. I do this with all of my kids and I'll, I'll, I'll talk about my kids and, and I'll show you how it works. So when they're little, and I've done this with my five-year-old, so we'll use her as an example first. Ever since she was really little, when she would get nervous, and I've talked about this in other episodes, her stomach would hurt. And so from a very young age, I would say to her, you know why your stomach hurts? Your stomach hurts because you're nervous. You're nervous because we're going to swim class and swim class makes you nervous. What's the scariest part about swim class? And then I would get her talking about it. And then I would say, we call it her worry cloud. If you listen to me at all, you know, all this. And so I would say your worry cloud is making your tummy hurt. The worry cloud has, has the ability to hurt your tummy and it does really hurt. It feels like a stomach, you know, it feels like a stomach virus, or it feels like a stomach pain and the pain is real, but what's causing it is your worry cloud. And so I would do that a lot. Every time we'd go to swim class, she'd be like, I feel so sick. And I'm like, yep. Why do you think that is? And she'd be like, I think my tummy's nervous. So she would always say it that way. So we started doing that when she was probably about three or four fast forward. She's almost six today. I don't even make this stuff up. It just happens in my life. It's all relevant to whatever I'm talking about. We're driving this morning, like an hour ago, I'm driving them to school and she pipes up in the back of the van and she's like, I don't know why, but my tummy is feeling really nervous. So that language that she's able to not say my stomach hurts, or I'm feeling nauseous, but that she can say my tummy is feeling nervous is amazing because if she just said to me, mom, I'm feeling sick. I don't want to go to school. I'm just feeling sick. Well, we're going to have a lot more work to do, but the fact that she's already identified that she knows it's nervousness helps me, puts me into gear and it helps her know Hmm. I'm nervous. I don't know why, because I always tell my kids and the kids that I work with in my practice that your worry, your anxiety or your worry cloud or your dictator, whatever your kid calls it will skip the brain and will just go right to your stomach. And so it won't even talk to you because it doesn't have to talk to you. It will just go right to your stomach. I do talk a lot about this in my book, anxiety sucks, a teen survival guide, even though it's actually for, I would say 10 year olds and up and parents too, but I do talk a lot about how anxiety will just switch. It will skip your brain and it'll go right to your stomach because that is very powerful for anxiety. And so it's its ultimate weapon. In my book, I talk about it being a dictator and I personify anxiety and I let kids know that the dictator will just bring you to your knees because it just has to hit your stomach. And the pain is real, but it's your dictator. And so my daughter knows this, even though she's only five, and so as we're driving, I said, so what do you think you're nervous about? And then she tried to brainstorm and she's like, I don't know. And I said, are Mondays scary for you? Cause today's Monday. I record these a the day before. And she's like, no. And then she said, I know what it is. I'm buying lunch today and I'm really worried about it. And so then my son who's seven, sometimes they're really cute. Sometimes they're like, they're horrible together, but today they were cute. So you got to take one moment at a time. He pipes in and he says, well, you don't have to be worried about that. You know, you just have to stand in line and get your food. And then my older daughter, who's almost 14, she pipes in and she's like, yeah, you know, there's nothing really to be worried about. You know, they are just going to give you your food. And so they all started having this conversation about it and they made her feel better because they gave her these suggestions. She was worried about having carrots without ranch. <laughs> yeah. We have like first world problems in my house. So apparently that was very anxiety producing and my older daughter was telling her how to get ranch from the lunch lady. So there you go. But the bottom line is she started to feel better because her anxiety was being addressed. Now, my kids don't have an overall panic for the fear of throwing up, but that's just an example of connecting the mind and body. So when you actually have a child who is very phobic about this, the ironic thing is, and this is the weird part that I wanted to get into, is that you don't want to convince them or give them reassurance that they're going to be okay. Because think about anxiety. Anxiety is all about doubt. Everything about anxiety is an unknown. What if this happens? What if that happens? I don't know if this is gonna happen. It's all about the unknown and uncertainty and doubt. No matter what theme it is, you can always find your way back to I don't know. I don't know if this storm is going to kill us. I don't know if when you leave me, you're going to get in a car accident and die. I don't know if this bump on my head is just a mole or if it's cancer. Anxiety is all about the unknown. So the way to treat anxiety, and it seems counterintuitive to any parent who really doesn't understand anxiety is to live with the unknown, live with doubt, to accept the fact that you don't know hundred percent and that it's okay, that in life, there's going to be uncertainty. If you can help your children live with that, whether they have anxiety or OCD and or OCD, they are going to do better in any anxiety theme. So instead of reassurance, which is completely the thing that most of us will do, you're fine. Take some deep breaths. It's going to be Okay you're not going to throw up. It's okay. You've got your water, you've got your mints. That's, and that's what a lot of therapists would do too. You know, do some visual exercises and breathe, but you're, you're going to be fine. You never do throw up. Do you ever throw up? You're always okay. I'm sure a lot of you out there are like, yeah, that's exactly what I do. And that's what good parents would do. But ironically, that's really not what is going to help long-term. What will help long-term is not reassurance, but acceptance. Yes, what would happen if you throw up? So, first, connect the mind and body. Yes, you are having an anxiety related stomach issue. Anxiety will make you nauseous. If you don't believe me, let's go on YouTube and Google emetophobia. So, if you have an older kid, Google emetophobia on YouTube. There are a million videos of teenagers talking about it. And that is very helpful because if you have a child like my teenager, she knows everything, and I know like nothing. <laughs> Teenagers are so funny. I was talking to a teenager the other day in my office, and um, I had said something about streaks. I was like, Oh, are you on a streak with him? Because she was talking about somebody, and she's like, oh, How do you know what streaks are? And I'm like, I'm not hiding in a cave. Like, I actually do live in this century. So, Your teenager might think that you're clueless and that you don't know anything. I remember my daughter when she was having panic attacks and I was telling her she wasn't having a heart attack. She would not believe me, even though I told her, these are the symptoms of a panic attack and these are the symptoms you're having. And so you're not having a medical emergency. She did not believe me, but she believed a girl on YouTube who I Googled and I found who described exactly what I was saying. So there you have it. YouTube is better than mom, but once they accept the fact that, okay, the anxiety is making me nauseous. They also have to accept the fact that if they avoid, and I talk about this in the other episode when I talk about being sick, if they avoid if they avoid going to school or they avoid the activity that's causing them to be nauseous, they don't go to restaurants because they're afraid they're gonna be nauseous, their anxiety, their dictator, their worry cloud, their Worry will grow and get bigger. And so I always highlight that for kids. You don't have to go to school, but if you don't, guess what's going to happen tomorrow? It's going to be bigger and more painful and it will continue to dominate your life. So they really have to buy into that before you do what I'm going to talk about next. (laughs) Dun, 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 dun. You really have to get them on board. And honestly, that is probably the biggest struggle I have with the kids that come into my practice is just getting them one to connect the dots and say, yes, this is an anxiety related stomach ache. I am feeling nauseous, but I'm feeling nauseous because I am anxious. And then also getting them to see that if I stay home today and I give in to my anxiety, then I better get used to it because it's going to get greedy. It's going to make my stomach hurt whenever I even leave the house, which turns into agoraphobia, a fear of leaving the house. So a lot of times I talk to parents who have kids that are afraid you know, to separate from the mom, or they're afraid that they're going to throw up if they're not home. And they say, you know, I'm just going to homeschool. And homeschooling is perfectly okay for families that do it just because they want their kids at home. And they feel like the curriculum that they can provide through homeschooling is better. That's not a problem. Homeschooling can be great for kids, but if you're doing it as a reaction to your child's anxiety, then it will exasperate the anxiety because anxiety wants you to avoid. And so if I am afraid that I'm going to throw up, if I go to school, and so you take school away and you just say, okay, well now I'm home. So I don't have to worry about that. No, it's not going to be satiated. Then I might be afraid to go to restaurants and then I might be afraid to go to large events and it will continue to find other things because anxiety isn't about school it's about the stomach and it's about the fear of throwing up. So if you're, you're not really pulling out, my favorite analogy is like pulling out the roots of the weed. If you just take away one component, you're trimming the weed, but you did not pull out the roots. If that makes any sense. Now, I do understand that sometimes anxiety is too far gone and forcing your kids to go to school at that point is fruit, fruitless. It's fruitless. a word is <laughs> not fruitful. So I do get that but I'm saying that you want to watch feeding anxiety by avoiding because it's a very slippery slope. My daughter has her anxiety, likes her to avoid going out to eat. And so sometimes I'll force her to go out to eat just to make progress. I have kids in my practice where they avoid restaurants and I've had parents purposely go out once a week as a challenge exercise to expose them to facing their fears. So as once your child has accepted, yes, yes, I know that my mind and body are connected. I know that I'm feeling nauseous because it's my anxiety. Then you want to start doing, if you can, and if you have a therapist that can do this, that's even much, much better. You really want a therapist to do this, but I understand a lot of people can't find a therapist who specializes in this stuff or can't afford it, or they can't find one in their area, but you really want to find someone who can do some exposure response prevention, ERP. And unfortunately, not everybody understands it and not everybody is skilled at it. So you can go online and um, you can go to the International OCD Foundation, iocdf.org, or you can go to Anxiety and Depression Association of America and find somebody through them. I think both websites, I know International OCD Foundation has a find a provider link, and I'm pretty sure... AADA does as well. Yeah, I actually just checked. So Anxiety and Depression Association of America, ADAA.org has a find help button as well. It's probably a really good thing to start at both of those websites because anybody who's really into treating anxiety or OCD will be on those websites and they'll be listed. So do that because I would have to say that most therapists are going to deal with this type of issue with possibly breathing, mindfulness, distraction, and all those are super, super helpful, but they don't pull out the bottom of the root. So exposure is really the best thing. So what is exposure? It is dealing with the possibility of throwing up. Yes, you might throw up. This is what I say to kids. You might throw up. That is true. We all have a possibility of throwing up. So what's the worst thing that would happen if you did throw up? And then listen to what their answer is, because it is different for each kid that I work with. So some kids will say, oh my gosh, it'll be so embarrassing. You know, I just, I don't really want other people to see me throwing up. And so then we will kind of work through that thought. And so then I do a lot of cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT on the distorted thoughts, Well, have you seen someone throw up? Yeah. And what happened? Was everybody like, oh my gosh, I can't be that person's friend ever again. No, no, they felt bad. They brought him to the nurse. Okay. So what was the worst thing that happened to him? Well, I mean, it was embarrassing. Yeah. But did everybody make fun of him for like the rest of his life? No, he went to the nurse and that was it. He went home. He was gone for a few days. Okay. So the worst thing that can happen to you is that you go to the nurse. Yep. So you want to kind of talk them through that. So instead of saying you're not going to throw up, you get them to say, "Well, what's the worst thing about it?" Um some kids will say to me, "If I throw up, um I might die." And then we walk through that. Do people die from throwing up? Well, no, I might get dehydrated. Do people get dehydrated when there's like the nurse around or there's their teacher? No. Yeah, they're going to take care of you. That's okay, right? So You want to attack whatever cognitive distortion they have around throwing up. So instead of minimizing it, ironically, and saying, you never throw up, you're totally fine. You're going to be fine. You want to get them to accept the worst case scenario, which is really the approach for a lot of anxiety themes, and then work from there. You're going to survive, right? And so then depending if you have a therapist who can do exposure therapy, or if you feel competent to do it yourself and your child is on board you systematically have them face their fears. So this will look different for each person depending on their anxiety theme. So I have some kids in my practice who are afraid of seeing throw up. So they might only worry about seeing throw up or they might be worried about both. And so for those kids, I will first, like I'll give you an example. So I had a person that was in my office who has a fear of seeing throw up. And so we started very, very small and you want to start really, really small. So you do a one to 10 stress scale, 10 being super stressful and one being like not stressed at all. And you want to do something that's just a one, two, or a three, very low on their stress scale. And, and for, you know, for this child, we started off with just saying words, you know, we just said vomit. That was a big one. And then puke. And these were like a three or a four on her stress scale. And we'd say them until they didn't have any power. So she could say, vomit, 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 vomit. And she was a one. And, you know, for some kids that might take 20 minutes. And for some kids, it might take five minutes. You don't want to stop the exposure until they are at a very low number because otherwise it's not effective. And then you build your way up. And I'm not going to go into detail about how to do this on this podcast because this is not really a long enough podcast to go into exposure therapy, but I do think it's important for you to know that that's the most effective approach that you want to start exposing your child. Now, there is an amazing website that I found that, um, it's done by a therapist who has emetophobia and she created this website that is, it's really not, it's not really oriented towards parents, but it's like, it's for the layman late. Isn't that a horrible name? Like your layman Like he's lame, (laughs) whatever, but it's for, it's for people who are not professionals and it's also for professionals, but it is a great resource. It's a resource that I use all the time. So I'll leave a link below in the show notes, but it's called emetophobiahelp.org and I'll leave a link below and on my website for this podcast, which would probably be anxioustoddlers.com. P as in Paul, P S P (laughs) dash zero three, five dash emetophobia. That's very long, but, um, I'll leave a link in on my website as well, because that is a great website. So she will explain to you what exposure is, how to go through it. And then what I really like about her website, which is why I use it sometimes in therapy is she has pictures of people, um, throwing up, but like in different, like it starts off with just a cartoon and then an animated cartoon and then fake pictures and then real pictures because you build up, it's like a, it's like a, what's called a fear hierarchy. So you build up from the smallest to the, to the biggest and she has YouTube videos and she has noises. And so what I've done with kids in my practice is I've started off with maybe just the words and then we have built up to sounds and then visual, and it's different for each kid depending on what triggers them the most. And then I will go all the way up to having a container of something that looks like throw up. And I'll say this may or may not be throw up. And then she actually has a recipe on her website to make things smell like throw up, which is pretty cool because I did not know how to do that (laughs) because my fake throw up is just cat food and some ketchup. (laughs) So it's pretty convincing, but it doesn't smell bad. So I keep it. Well, it smells gross, but it smells like cat food and ketchup. So I'll not throw up the smell, but that may seem completely bizarre and counterintuitive to you. But when I have done exposure response prevention with kids who have emetophobia, they get over this really quickly as they move up their fear hierarchy. So it's, it's incredibly effective. And for those that are not comfortable doing it, they just don't get better as quickly. I will work on just the cognitive behavioral component. I'll talk to them about, you know, what's the worst that can happen and try to get rid of their safety behaviors and they'll do okay. But the people that really go through the exposure do phenomenal. So find a therapist that does exposure response prevention or go on this website and read more about it. It's very, very helpful. Um, she does also on her website, have a link to an online class for kids for anxiety and emetophobia. So, um, I thought that was pretty cool. So if you can't find a therapist, there is like an online program that you can get. If your child has OCD, you can take my online OCD class, which will teach you step-by-step how to do exposure therapy. And I don't talk about emetophobia. I just talk about OCD, but if you want to learn how to do exposure, I do all, I give you all the worksheets and I have all these videos on how to do it. And I teach you basically how to do it at home. So there is that. And I also have an anxiety class, which also talks about just how to be anxiety. And um, I think if you're wanting to learn how to do exposure, definitely take the OCD online class because that is all about exposure ERP. And if you want to help your child, you can have your child read my book, anxiety sucks. And I go through, I kind of follow four kids. Was it four kids or is it three kids? I can't even remember now, but I follow three kids who have different anxiety themes. And one of the examples, one of the girls that actually, I think it's the boy that you follow throughout the story, he has a fear of throwing up. So I, I use the skills that I'm trying to teach kids in the book, and then I use the, the boy who has a fear of throwing up as one of the examples. So that could be kind of powerful too if you want your child to understand this a little bit better. So I know I didn't give you specific details about how to do the exposure part of this, but if I did, you'd have to sit here for another couple of hours because it's in detail So take the class. If you really want to learn, go to that website and you can learn from her as well, because it's very informative. But I think my ultimate goal for this podcast episode is for you to one, understand emetophobia, understand how it presents, understand how it looks in different kids, understand and recognize that catering to it is the absolute worst thing you can possibly do. And so even if you were really into homeschooling, but you had a child who didn't want to go to school because they were afraid of throwing up, that that would be a horrible choice to do because you don't want to cater to the anxiety. But I also want you to know how to fight it and how to like lean into the anxiety and get your child to accept the unknown. Yes. You know what? You might throw up and you're going to be okay. And yeah, throwing up sucks. And nobody likes throwing up, but it's not going to kill you. And this is what I say to kids. You can spend every single day of your life worrying about throwing up. And maybe you'll throw up like once a year, but you're going to worry about it for 364 days a year. It's going to completely take away your happiness, or you can accept the fact that you may or may not throw up. You just don't know, but the likelihood is you're probably only going to throw up once or twice a year, but you're going to ruin 364 days of happiness. Is that worth it? And so when you just accept, yep, today I may or may not throw up. Thank you, anxiety. That might or might not happen then you take away all the power anxiety has. And ironically, it stops hitting your stomach because it gets bored. It's like, she doesn't care. I told her that she might throw up and she doesn't even care. And then I made her feel nauseous and she still went to school. And that's kind of how I talk about anxiety in my book, kind of like I personify it. And then it loses its power and that whole anxiety theme eventually goes away. So just some food for a thought to get you understanding how it all works. Well, I hope you are having an amazing week. I want to thank those that have left reviews recently. I have gotten some really, really kind, considerate reviews. If you're on iTunes and you're feeling giving, just click one of the stars and rate my podcast that helps other parents know that this is a helpful podcast. If you're feeling super giving and I really appreciate it and you're like, gosh, Natasha is so helpful. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, right? But if you're feeling like, hey, you know, she's giving me some really in- interesting information, you know, if you can take 30 seconds and write a review, that legitimately helps me because it helps my self esteem. <laughs> but it also helps other parents say, you know, oh, this podcast might be really helpful for me. So I do appreciate that. And that's why I take the time at the end of almost every podcast to tell you thank you for those that have done that and encourage those that haven't to do it. If you haven't, you can check out my YouTube videos as well. I would love to see you over there. If you don't want to just hear me, but you want to see me, there is a link to my YouTube channel. I do different themes on my YouTube channel than what you're hearing on the podcast. And I keep an ongoing list. So I don't kind of cover both topics. And if I do cover the same topic, it'll have a different spin to it. So you can see that at anxious toddlers, parenting survival for all ages on YouTube. You can search for it or you can go to youtube.com C for channel slash anxious 78. That is my YouTube channel. So I hope to see you over there and I hope that you find the sparkle in every day because otherwise, what is the point? And I'll see you next Tuesday. Well, I'll talk to you next Tuesday. Take care. Thank you for listening to AT Parenting Survival Podcast. For more tips and parenting support, visit anxioustoddlers.com.